Good morning, and welcome to O Readers Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 13, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 10, the last full paragraph, which begins with ministers. Today's readers are Sharon B., Uh, on the 12 Steps, Janice M. on the 12 Traditions, and reading our text are Anita J., Karen M., Elaine B., and Renata. Uh, The reference number for yesterday, November 12th, is 7029. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sharon B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Sharon B. in New Jersey. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Continued Number 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon B. I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 traditions. Well, thank you, Kathy Kay, and good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M. 
These are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two are for our group purpose. There is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Janice M. How our meetings work. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing directly related to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 10, the last paragraph on the page which begins with ministers. I will ask Anita J to read that paragraph. Thank you, Anita. Thank you, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can, thanks. Great, great. This is Anita J from Massachusetts, recovered, gratefully recovered. With ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. When they talked of a God personal to me, 
who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. You know, my spiritual journey, like the rest of my journey, has had to be lived forward but understood backwards because I was always a seeker, a seeker of a loving God, even when I wasn't calling it that. That's what I was looking for. And um, by the time I walked into Overeaters Anonymous, which was in 1978, my mind had snapped shut because I was mistaking the people in churches. I was a church jumper all over the place with a loving God. And I had that standard. I hadn't done a fourth step yet, you know. So everybody was letting me down. And when I walked in and heard about God, I was very amazed. And um, this was a bit, I feel almost ashamed to say, I thought, oh, that's their gimmick. That's why this is different than Weight Watchers or something else. Well, that was one of the first gifts. It took a while, but um, I got in touch again with a higher power, which has led me and which had always led me. And it takes a lot of pain sometimes to see it because I really wanted to say here that I've grown up spiritually in this program. I had a childlike view of God. If you were really, really good, you were really, really abstinent. If you were really, really this, you would get everything that God promises you. And life is not like that. Life is not like that. But what I discovered when my son had a serious accident and somebody died in it, that God was there in the middle of the road with them. And it was from that point on that I began to see that he will walk with all of us so we will grow from it. And that was the first gift and still continues to be as my development, you know, has grown. And I'm so glad that the snapshot mind was willing to open. That's all it needed. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Anita J. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Larry. Larry? Okay, Larry. And is that Sharon I heard or Karen? Karen. Karen, okay. Okay, Larry, go ahead, please. Larry, I can't hear you. Press star one. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, now I can. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Kathy Kay. Okay. Um, thanks for your service. Uh, Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. So, um, you know, here we, we have, this is, you know, it's uncomfortable uh, to read for me a little bit, you know, because uh, because I was there as well. Not so much when I walked into program, but it, because, uh, you know, we, we all arrive at different, you know, different places in our lives. But I, I remember many, many years before I was ever to come to these rooms, I remember I was in a, um, I mean, very clearly, I remember I was in a car accident when I was 19, and I was I was, uh, was hit by a drunk driver, and I was thrown from the car. It was 
I say it was the days when we didn't wear seatbelts. Well, there were seatbelts, but I wasn't wearing one. Um, it's a little different today, I think, the mentality. But anyway, um, I don't mean to make light of it, but, I mean, this was part of my reality. And, uh, and you know, I, I never lost consciousness. I was thrown literally from the vehicle. I mean, it hit at a high rate of speed. Um, and it is a fact that I, I never lost consciousness. And, um, and, I, and I literally walked away. And I went to the hospital, and it was released later <clears throat> that, uh, that night. Um, amazingly so. Um, and someone was killed in that accident. Um, not in my car. Um, but um, what the reason I bring it up, because <clears throat> it's kind of a dramatic story, what does it have to do with this? You would think, perhaps, that, ah, okay, now I get Larry's gimmick. <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he had a spiritual awakening then. Well, who wouldn't, you know? No, I did not. Obviously, I did not. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I, I didn't, and I went on and went back to college um, and went back into my life of uh, misery and mayhem. You know, there was no spiritual awakening at that point, um, and not for a long while afterwards. So, you know, um, we get here when we get here, you know. And, um, you know, what I, what I can say, though, today is that, um, you know, Bill, you know, he had a chance that his mind might be recreated you know, like mine, you know, by the infusion of God's grace, you know, become forever changed. And and I, I was, you know, I say now, I, I was not changed from fat to thin as the result of my practice of the 12 steps. That was one thing that happened. But the process for me resulted in a lot more than that. It's a spiritual program of redemption. You know, I was literally saved. You know, I could clear away the wreckage of my past and I wasn't ready to do that right away, but <clears throat> then the God of our understanding restores us to wholeness. It's a, a process of restoration. And that's that's what happened to me. Um, so even though I got here, you know, nothing special, you know, taken from the scrap heap to a life that I probably don't deserve. Um, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, you know, that the program of action delivered me from a life of uh, doubt, uncertainty, misery. You know, that's what kind of he's describing there, to, to a life of belief, trust, and, and joyful gratitude. And how ironic that that came from ego deflation. You think that it would come from building building one up, building one's self-esteem. You know, give me a trophy, make me feel good about myself. It wasn't really that. It was actually paradoxically, um, it was from ego deflation, almost a tearing down process of you know getting getting rid of that wreckage. That had helped, that had kept me disconnected from the higher power of my own understanding. Today, I'll wrap up by saying I'm in alignment with God's will. Not not perfect, no way, no way. Never, there's no perfect, but I'm in alignment with God's will and for me because I seek it out each day, and God just shows me. It's just uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. I pass. Thank you, Larry. And Karen, please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. My name's Karen T. from New Orleans, and I'm so grateful to be here this morning. Um, I remember uh, I came into OA and started to believe in a superhuman strength and direction called God when I was in college. But I remember in high school, 
my mind was really snapped shut. Um, and I didn't even think about, I didn't even want to think about God. I um, was brought up on self-sufficiency. And I had this boyfriend and we were walking. It was a beautiful fall day in New England. And he uh, wanted to start talking about God. And I became irritated. I remember it so well. And um, I was irritated because I was so self-centered and I hadn't thought about God. And I couldn't admit that to him. I, um, the fact that I didn't really have an opinion or hadn't thought anything out was so scary to me because I wanted to be in control and seem so wonderful about everything. Um, and my mind was snapped shut. So I uh, changed the subject right away and controlled the situation and manipulated him into talking about something else because I, I was irritated and my mind snapped shut. And it was a self-centered thing. You know, one of the things we, um, we learn in this program is how self-centered we are. Um, self-centered, and then there's another great line in the big book somewhere that I bristled with antagonism. I just, the whole discussion scared me because I didn't have any knowledge or experience with it anyway. Um, uh, so now, uh, thanks to OA and thanks to some other things, and God has shown himself to me as someone who is love, superhuman strength and direction. Superhuman strength, I can no longer have to eat compulsively. I'm recovered. And um, it, it's a, that's a miracle. Anyway, so my mind is not snapped shut anymore, thank goodness. Thank you, God. Um, and that's because I was so desperate about the food. That's why I say I'm a grateful recovered compulsive eater. I'm grateful to be a compulsive eater because without my compulsive eating, I would not know a God personal to me who is love, superhuman strength, and direction. Thank you so much. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Karen. Hi, my name is Charles. Go ahead, Charles. Thank you. Um, Good morning, visionaries. Uh, thank you, Kathy C. Good morning, and thank you for your continued service. And uh, I could recall just being uh, irritated, and my mind was snapped shut when my mom used to send me to church um, and go to Sunday school, and I, I used to spend the Sunday school money buying candy. Um, so, and, you know, so I can remember that even at that early age that my mind was shut. Um, I didn't want love. I didn't want superhuman strength, and I didn't want direction. Um, I grew up in the church, and even still, my life and my actions showed that I didn't want direction in my life. Um, my life and my self-will proved that my mind was snapped shut. I was always irritated because um, I was always focused on sugar and vengeance. Um, you know, my life... Uh, until earlier this year, I, I didn't want any direction. I mean, even in OA, I didn't want no direction. Even when I got the sponsor that I got, and he was like, open this big book, I, I, I was snapped shut against it. 
was like, why is this, why is this alcoholic crackpot telling me to open this big book and 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 and, and asking me and suggesting that I write um, in every paragraph? Is it a promise? Is it a problem? Is it a solution? Why? I was blinded. I was blinded. Um, even you, you know, and I so identify in with, you know, I, I wasn't an atheist. I always believed in God, but did I really believe God? Did I believe God, or did I just believe in God? Was I was I just in church, fronting and and just being like, you know, oh, let me put on my Sunday best, you know, uh, until January, until until becoming a visionary, and I call myself a recover, you know. Recovery is amazing. I just I recorded a song called Recovered Visionary because of this meaning, because of the way God showed his love to me, his superhuman strength and his direction. You know, today I'm just willing, you know, thank God for a, a, a nearly perfect third step, right? Just turning it over, give it to him, right? Like, <laughs> you know, Turn my will and my life over. Yeah, my food is is a, is a, a small piece of the thing. Yeah, I turn that over to you. In the first step, I turn it over all my binge foods and, and and foods I have problems with. I don't even, you know, when I talk with my sponsor and my sponsees, we never talk about food. We 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 never talk about weight because I turn it over in the first of the month. That's it. I put the work in, and God does the rest with His love, superhuman strength, and direction. Today, the vision is I'm not irritated. Today, the vision is my mind don't even snap because it got a little soft thing there that, that, that repels it from snapping and it stays open. Not, not shut against such a theory. And today, this, this theory is reality for me today. So it is such a pleasure to crack open this big book um, and be in Bill's story and just remain open. My mind remains open to love, superhuman strength, and direction. Um, and I love those ministers today, too. And I love world religion, and I, I just love everything. I don't have hate in my body. You know, my, my sponsor, I talked with my sponsor Monday, and he was like, you know what? To add to, your, to enhance your recovery is a suggestion in your 10th step, every day that you turn over to me, why don't you forgive some folk? Forgive some folk. Because you know what? Every single day, no matter what, I'm going to irritate people, and they're going to irritate me. I don't care how good your 10th step is. I don't care. I don't care if you do a on-spot, online, around the corner, right away, tomorrow. People are going to irritate you, and I'm going to irritate people. But if I forgive people, that's that. That's love, superhuman strength, and direction. And with that, I'm pass. My name is Charles. I eat too much. A recovered visionary just for today. Thank you, Charles. Renata. Good morning, Anita L. Okay, I heard Renata and then Anita L. Is there someone else? Vasa. Linda I. Okay, Vasa. And who came? Linda. Was that it? Yes, Linda I. Okay, Linda I. Okay, so we'll go in that order. Renata, Anita L, Vasa, and Linda I. Please go ahead, Renata. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Rating in New York. Um, you know, I grew up with no 
no religion. I used to make fun of people that went to church and things like that. And uh, But before I came to program, I did have God in my life. God has done miracles in my life that I could not deny. But then, you know, when I came to a way, what my mind not shut against was the idea of doing the steps. You know, I was so arrogant that I thought, well, if all I need is a connection with God, I got that. But, uh, sorry, there's some background noise here. And, uh, you know, like it says in the big book, faith without works is bad. That's what happened to me. You know, uh, I had a belief in a God that was, you know, superhuman, all love and strength. But I, I was blocked off from that God. And until I worked the steps, until I could have an open mind, until I was hopeless enough, desperate enough to take action, I I couldn't get that full, that whole relationship that I needed to be recovered. Um, thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Renata. Anita L., please go ahead. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. Uh, I just wanted to share on also about a God personal to me. And I grew up with a religion, so I always felt that there was a God. And then when I was eight, my very, very close friend, who was my cousin, died. And... My parents said, go to synagogue and pray for David. And when I came home from synagogue, my parents told me he had died. And I think that that was maybe the reason why I stopped believing in God. Because here I went, I followed their direction. I went and prayed in a house of worship. And, you know, I was only eight years old, and my cousin died. And I was really hurt because we were very close. So my mind snapped shut, I guess. I don't remember back, you know, back then. But when I came into OA at 23, I, you know, I heard people talk about God and... I just let that go right over my head. I didn't relate to it at all. And then four months after I was in program, something happened where I was so frightened. Um, You know, my weight was probably climbing. I don't remember if if I got abstinent right away or not because it was so long ago. But um, anyway, I was just so fearful And I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden, I'm crying. I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, the thought just popped into my head. Let go and let God. In OA, they say, let go and let God. And that was the beginning of my spiritual awakening. I was clearly moved by the fact that God would help me. And it wasn't immediate. It was several months later when my life began to change. However, I still kept that faith and trust in a power greater than myself. And then I learned to enlarge that by making it a personal God. And through the years, 
God has shown, my God, my higher power has shown me so many miracles that I know could only be from a power outside of my body because I would never have thought of those things. And even through hard times, life is great because I know I'm guided by my higher spirit, which is, which is within me, and that is the beauty. All I had to do was turn on that uh, willingness, that key to let my higher power in, and together we can do what I could never do alone. Thank you. And with that, I'll yes. Thank you, Anita. Um, let's see. Vasa, please go ahead. Yes. Thank you, Kathy, and good morning. Vision for you. And I am Vasa, recovered compulsive overeater. And I remember before I found the program, I was coming home from food shopping. I had a big van at that time, and I was up and high. And I remember saying to God out loud, probably for the first time in my life, I remember saying, God, if you're out there, please show me where you are. I don't know what made me do it. You know, I guess I was in desperation. You know, life was unmanageable. The food, I was into the food. I was in pain. And that's what I said. Please, God, if you're out there, please show me where you are. And not too long after that, I came in Overeaters Anonymous. It was a miracle. But, I again, I grew up with uh, a lot of confusion uh, about God with fearful, punishing God, or in a, as I shared yesterday, also grew up in a communist country where we were thought there was no God. So there was, you know, again, a lot of confusion. But something happened to me. When, uh, like, I, we, I did go to church. We did go to church, but I didn't really have a relationship with God. God was in heavens, and I was here on earth, and God had more important things to take care of than me, and um, so I, you know, like, and God was also taking notes in heavens to see how good I was on earth, you know. A lot, a lot of confusion. Um, so uh, when I came in program, um, the person that was 12-stepping me, she did talk about God a lot. She said, God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And it gave me, you know, I said to him at that time, I don't care who helps me with the food as long as I don't have to do it by myself. I'm just so sick and tired of doing it. And I kind of, I had an open mind. And in many ways, I found, like, comfort. And um, maybe, maybe this, this for the last time, maybe it will work for me. And um, she said, you know, get rid of that old God that you have in your life. You know, he's fearful, punishing. And you know, and you know, I'll lend your mind. Well, I had an open mind. It doesn't mean I took it. It happened to me right away. I'm gonna. It was hard to get to let go of that old God and adapt this new God right away. But it gave me a hope. But I remember when I was like 19 years old, something happened in my life, and I remember saying to God, "Well, you know, if you are there, then why is this?" Why are you letting this happen in this house? And I kind of even pulled away even more from God at that time. Then I remember saying, there must be not God, you know. 
But I'm just so grateful that I came to the program, and, you know, once I surrendered with the food, I'm, that's going to be the next few paragraphs, and I'll talk about that later. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, Linda, I, you'll be our last share on this paragraph, and then we'll move on. Please go ahead. Press star one, Linda, to unmute. Hello, this is Linda I. Can you hear me now? Yes. Thank you. This, I'm in a, I'm a compulsive overeater in California. And uh, this little paragraph when it's talking about when they talk of a God personal to me, it struck a chord in me and reminded me that um, I uh, was always had God pushed down my throat when I was growing up because I grew up in a family that um, taught me to believe in God, yet I didn't have that own, my own personal belief in God because of them telling me, you got to believe in God, you know, and um, and then as I grew old, you know, I uh, pretty much rebelled against that whole notion and decided to go on my own. Um, but later in life, God came to me in a very real way. And yet, even though I started to have a relationship with God as an adult on my own, I didn't believe that God could um, even care about my overeating or even help me with it. And um, then I found OA um, yet I was praying, you know, please help me because I'm so fat and miserable and I need some sort of um, reprieve from my my misery and the way I eat and my depression. So then I found OA and discovered there was a whole new life, another way of thinking, another way of behaving being abstinent, and um, I discovered that God did care about my overeating, and he led me to OA. <clears throat> and one of the greatest things is is that now, today, because of OA, and, um, well, mainly, too, because of God, I have a great relationship with him, my higher power, and I can... Um, in abstinence, see more clearly and understand that um, I don't have to do this alone, that God is there with me and helping me every step of the way when I turn my will and my life over to him every morning, every day, and um, ask for help and direction, the next right step, and I don't have to eat, I don't have to pick up the food anymore. That's the miracle of it is that the food is not the answer. And that's what I did. I turned to the food before all the time. And so I'm so grateful today. And this little paragraph is um, really spurred that on for me this morning. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Linda I. And I'm now going to ask Karen M. to read the next paragraph on the top of page 11. Thank you. 
Yes, Kathy, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. This is Karen M., recovered, and um, grateful to be here. To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. Kathy, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Too difficult. The the rest I disregarded. And um, I belonged, I was a believer before um, I got recovered, and I belonged to a, a nurturing community, and we had healing prayer. And I would go repeatedly in line for healing of my eating problem, which I had no clue of. And then I, it just, it never got answered. But one day, after, one day I made a call, I looked up in the phone book, Overeaters, and I thought I was calling a diet club. I did not know what this was about. And it was Overeaters Anonymous, and the woman answered the phone, which was a miracle. I lived in a major city, and she told me she would take me to a meeting. She explained it to me, and then she said, where do you live? And I told her, and she said, I live a few floors below you, and I will take you to your meeting. And I just couldn't believe that. But anyhow, I guess what I want to say, when I was going for prayer, I thought I was getting Plan B to come to Overeaters Anonymous, and it showed me. My higher power was saying, you are getting plan A. You really are. It's, it's a more thorough and conclusive healing of you. And that's my experience. Thank you. Thank you, Karen M. Who would like to share in this paragraph? Sally. Kim. Kim. Haya. Okay, Sally, Kim, and Haya. Okay, we'll go in that order. Just go ahead, Sally. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Sally A., a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And here here we read, To Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed. So we see that Bill is basically, I hate to use this word, it sounds so strong, but it does seem to me that he's judging those who are followers of Christ, and he's judging them to not follow him too closely. Um, So he says again, to Christ I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. His moral teaching, most excellent, for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. So I've got here in my margin of my book, Bill is being a hypocrite. He's saying that they didn't follow Christ too closely and that for himself he adopted the parts that seemed convenient for him that weren't too difficult and the rest he disregarded. So he's just like he's just like them, those others who were calling themselves followers of Christ. And so what I wanted to say this morning is that what I see in Bill is classic uh, page 54 it says on the top of the page yes we have been faithful abjectly faithful to the god of reason and bill is reasoning with this whole he's reasoning himself out of a box he's been in a box for a long time he's been he's been judging religion he's been judging 
ministers. He's been judging the followers of Christ. He's been he's been judging people in general through his life. And he's here he is wrestling his way out of this box that his mind has been in. That he's talking about having been his mind has been snapped shut. And I believe that in truth that Bill, like me, has been judging God and finding God wanting. And for the first time, after judging everybody and finding them all wanting, including God, he's come to a, the end of himself, the end of his reasoning. And we're about to see him reach the end of his reasoning skills and the, the end of him trying to be able to figure it out and do it himself. He's finally going to lay down all of these reasoning skills and stop judging everything, everybody, every religion, every minister, every follower of any God, and even God. And he's going to come to the end of himself and finally surrender, once and for all surrender, and reach that place, step one, where he can admit complete defeat. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Please go ahead, Kim. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm going to look at this paragraph a little differently. I'm going to look at it from the point of Overeaters Anonymous. For people like me that spent decades in this fellowship using it as a temporary respite, using it as dieting with, with, self, um, with um, group support, it says, so I'm going to read it. To Overeaters Anonymous, I conceded the certainty of a great program not too closely followed by those who claimed it. Because that was my personal experience. I would be in rooms where, you know, there would be 40 people and two people would be absent and everyone else would just be complaining, 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 drunk-a-log after drunk-a-log after drunk-a-log. The moral teaching was excellent. I definitely believe 12 steps were an excellent program. However, for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult and the rest I disregarded. That's why I wasn't getting any results, because I was doing what was convenient, and the rest I disregarded. I wasn't doing the 12 steps as laid out in this book. I was doing the 12 steps based on a lot of people's opinions and on what I felt was relevant. You know, I worked these, these steps out of a lot of books that were conference-approved and not conference-approved, going to Barnes & Noble, trying to find out an easier way to do the steps. Entering in, you know, a talk show host's opinion of what the 12-step program should be. And when I did that, I did not get any results. So I think, again, you know, this idea that, you know, if our program is not based on the 12 steps, if, my, if I'm in a 12-step program not working the 12 steps, why am I surprised that I'm not getting the results? You know, if my, if my program is basically 90 meetings in 90 days, and on day 91, I'm going to pick up because I didn't get to a meeting. If my program is based on me talking to a sponsor every single day, then the day I can't get in touch with her, I'm going to pick up. If my program is based on phone calls and nobody's available that day, I'm going to pick up. Now, I work the tools harder by not working the tools because when I'm focused on the 12 steps, I'm attending a lot of meetings. I have a sponsor. I have people in my life that keep me accountable. I make a lot of phone calls. But that's not my program. The tools are a way for me to work the 12 steps. So I think about page 25, the third, second paragraph. It says, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective 
spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. I had a lot of deep experiences in Overeaters Anonymous. Coming into a room where people suffered like I did was a deep experience. Being able to tell my truth as a compulsive overeater was a deep experience. But I had to get real honest with the fact that if I kept picking up, if I kept going back to the food you know, periodically and often and towards the end, then it wasn't effective. And why was that? Because I did not revolutionally change my whole attitude. I tweaked it when I was in enough pain. I would be nice to people in the meetings, and I would go out and I would throw havoc on the world. So this paragraph is real important to me because is it really that the 12 steps don't work, which is what I thought after decades in a way, or is it that I wasn't working the 12 steps? And that was one of the prejudices that I had to face. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And hi. Hi, my name is Charles. Uh, just a minute, Charles. Uh, hi is next, and then we're going to move on to the next paragraph, and you can share after that. Go ahead, Haya. Hi, thank you so much. Hi, everybody. This is Haya, very grateful, recovered, compulsive, and bulimic in Denver, Colorado. Um, and I can just say ditto to uh, the last share. I relate totally to that. But I want to come from a little bit of a different angle from my own experience when I read this, which is I shut the book <laughs> because I didn't grow up um, uh, uh, with a believing, you know, I wasn't a Christian and that word made me think that this was a book that was a religion, you know, that this book was for Christians, uh, which is what everybody was telling me anyway out there, right? What, you know, they're in church basements and, you know, I was this Jewish girl from Brooklyn that grew up, not religious, um, but certainly th this wasn't for me. And, um, you know, and so I thought, well, I can't, I can't do this because this is what this program is. And um, one, first of all, I did take it to a spiritual leader in, in, from Judaism and read the book and said it's totally fine, 100% fine. Um, but not only that, when I read it, when I went through the steps, um, as Kim just described, you know, with really the, the fortitude to move through this 12-step process, not, not um, using the tools to recover, because that is not my experience that you can recover through the tools, truly recover. I had to go through the actual formula um, that is in this book. Um, that's described in this book. When I read this book um, and when I was taken through the book, what I understand from this paragraph is this is, and this is what I tell my, you know, the women I, I guide through the book um, is this is Bill's story. This is Bill's story. Not Hi's story, not Kim's story, not Kathy's story. This is Bill's story. Bill's telling his story. He is in the process of step two here um, of coming to believe. He's thinking, he's reasoning, he's throwing things around in his, in his head from his own experience. From, he's trying to reconcile this whole concept that there could be a God, greater, you know, power greater than himself. And his experience is this, because this is how he was raised. And so um, that made a huge difference for me because I can just insert my words, right? Um, just like the the pre, you know, just like Kim just did with putting in Overeaters Anonymous, you know, that was that I could say that the same thing that that was my experience with OA. You know, to OA I could concede a great program, right? Um, so 
I, it was very important for me to be able to understand that this is Bill's story describing his experience. And that when Chaya gives Chaya's story, right, when I give my story, there's different words used because that was my experience. And um, I was so grateful that this is a spiritual program, not a religious program, um, because it enabled me actually to explore um, and really be able to plug into what what worked um, for me, which was initially just believing that there was a power greater than myself, which those of you that have heard my story know that I was told to go to the ocean and try to stop a wave, and I couldn't. So clearly there was a power greater than me. And, um, and that was the beginning. And as a result of the steps and as a, um, a result of the 11th step, you know, I was able to really develop that relationship. And, um, you know, ironically now work in the field in my, you know, teaching other people, um, not only in a way about, about the 12 steps of being able to do it in my life. And that is truly a gift. And that's because this program is open to all, all people. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Haya. Elaine, would you please read the next paragraph? Yes, Kathy, thank you for your service. This is Elaine B., recovered in Massachusetts. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and the chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether, on balance, the religions of mankind had done any good. Judging from what I had seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affairs was negligible. The brotherhood of man, a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. You know, as we look around this world and we, we read the news or we study history, it is so true. The things that have been done in the name of religion, the atrocities, are unbelievable, but even just the the milder atrocities of going into a place of worship of any type and being treated unkindly, of being um, being having your toes stepped on, being not loved or accepted, be given a list of rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. You know, I I had a season in church where I just felt like God was standing in the corner with a baseball bat just waiting for me to do something wrong so he could beat me up. That that was that that power. Yeah, that was a power greater than me, had the power to demolish me if if I stepped out of line. And where did I get that? Well, I don't know. I must have picked it up somewhere. You know, I've said many times since I've really studied this book, that I wish that every school had a four-hour program, reading, writing, arithmetic, and recovery. Because if everybody were living by the principles that are outlined in this book, the world would be a very different place. If patience, tolerance, love, and kindness was our code, it would be a very different place. If I knew how to deal with my fears, with my anger, with my resentment, the world would be a very different place if everybody had the tools that we had in this book. And, you know, all of these different reasonings and understanding and looking over here and looking over there to prove that God existed, to prove that God had power, to prove that God was loving, to prove that God cared about me didn't work. 
And just like this book says, God was found in my innermost self. But you know what? I had things that stood in the way. I had walls of resentment and fear and and, and judgments and um, all kinds of things between me and everybody in this world, but also between God and I. And so if you're new and you're wondering and you're saying, how can this be? Look at religion. How can you be talking about you know, uh, putting my trust in, in, in a power greater than myself that you want to call God, that doesn't work for me. Well, I just encourage you, just like the, the hundred people who wrote this book and the thousands and, and millions that have followed it since, just follow the instructions because you may discover a power greater than yourself that can help you live in a way that, um, that is second to none. And uh, I'm so grateful that I found this book, that I was willing to do the steps, that I also, uh, you know, stopped just taking the parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult and disregarding the rest. But each step, one at a time, abstinently. Thank you so much again for your service, Kathy, and with that I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Um, Charles, do you want to share? Yes, thank you, Kathy. I just wanted to drop in right quick on um, to Christ. I conceded the certainty of a great man. So, so here, um, Bill is poking holes, spewing negativity, and I just want to go back to where it says in, in the, the couple of paragraphs prior to that, immutable law. Immutable means fixed, set, rigid, uh, inflexible, permanent, established. That's the twelve steps. And, and 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 going back to this, to Christ, I, I I conceded, you know, Bill was telling the truth, man. I, I mean, I saw identify in we're just taking the convenient stuff that's easy, you know, the food plan, you know, calling a couple people, um, and 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 the rest I disregarded. But the steps is immutable, like it 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 works, it works, right? But you know. Right now, Bill is getting so he his mind is opening up. It ain't slammed shut right now because, you know, he's t- at least every planted a seed. He's talking about it, and then we're gonna see on page twelve with the first italicies. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? But I ain't gonna let the cat out of the bag. Oops, I did. But you know, he, he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth of how he feels. So he's opening up. The transition is starting. The seed has been planted. He's he's moving on in. He's realizing that his human aid um, has failed him, you know. And prior to that, yeah, I had to be because I was hopeless. So he knew he was hopeless. He knew he was about to get into it. He knew he was about to get into the immutable part of recovery, which is the 12 steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Kathy, for your service. Thank you, Charles. Who else would like to share on this uh, part? Carolyn, New York. Liz? Okay, we'll take Carolyn and Liz, and I believe that'll take us to the end. Okay, Carolyn, go ahead. Okay, thank you very much. This is Carolyn S. from New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. And I, I love this this paragraph. Um, when I read it, I was just saying, yes, yes, that's how I feel, you know, early on. And um there's still, to this day, so many horrible things happening in the name of religion. But, you know, when you really look at what the religious texts teach, they don't teach the kind of behaviors that people are, are doing in their name. I mean, 
they didn't teach, um, you know, going off to the Crusades and slaughtering millions of people, and, and they're not teaching, you know, suicide bombings and all of the things that are happening today. Um, you know, with, what I love about the big book is that there's nothing in there that, that grates on me. There's nothing in there where I say, wait, wait a minute. You know, um, you know, even in the Bible, which, you know, has a lot of wonderful things. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, suffering and burning and punishment and, you know, it was written in a certain period. It had a certain goal. Um, but, you know, it, in my mind, that kind of thing turns me off so much I can't see the good. Um, but I don't see any of that in, in uh, the big book. It's all about tolerance and love and equality and uh, a judge, uh, sorry, a loving God who forgives us everything and who loves us unconditionally. Um, and there's none of this, you do this or I won't love you, or you do this or I will punish you. It is more, you know, you will punish yourself if you, if you aren't in touch with me. I mean, it, it's, it's the feeling I get. You know, it's like, I, you know, God is always here reach out, I can comfort you, um, you know, not I'm going to punish you or abandon you if you don't do what I say. And, and that's what I love about this big book. And, and yes, I, I believe if people studied it the way they study other religious texts and really took it to heart about how it's about, you know, taking responsibility for yourself and improving and contributing more to the world in a positive way every day, I think this world will be an amazing place. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn. And Liz, if you could make your share short, that would be good. I didn't realize how closely we were at time. Go ahead, please. Liz, press star one. Hey, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, I'll be brief. I'm Liz S., a compulsive overeater from Philadelphia. And I just wanted to reflect a minute on the line about... Um, Adopting the parts of Christ's teachings that were convenient for me and abandoning abandoning the rest. And um, for me, this is just an important uh, sentence to reflect on, even in recovery. You know, am I turning my will and my life over to God, um, or am I just accepting the parts of Christ's teaching that are convenient for me? And um, when I look at my character defects in steps six and seven, I see that it's a lot easier for me to judge other people in the ways I think that they're not following Christ and his teachings. And so reading this paragraph just reminds me that if I'm turning my will and my life over to God, then I need to constantly be asking myself, am I doing his will or am I just doing what is convenient for me and saying that everything that is not convenient for me is not his will? Um, So that's the difference that recovery makes. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Liz. Um, Okay, thank you, everyone. Uh, I'm now going to ask Renata to read on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. Uh, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. 
Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.